Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Guys, welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Roundtable Podcast, brought to you by the Pulse Podcasting Network, and me, your host, Matt Bruning. You can find me at SportsFanaticMB on Twitter. I have another great episode for you guys today as we're jumping back into our divisional breakdowns. Today, we're going to be breaking down the AFC South. We've got another special guest joining us today, another member of the Pulse Podcasting Network. will be joining me and Dennis here in just a second as we will break down, again, all things AFC South. But first, this episode is brought to you guys by Ticks Blitz. Have you been searching for the best ticket deals around? Well, look no further. With Ticks Blitz, the price you see is the price you pay. And Ticks Blitz just happens to have over $6 billion in ticket inventory just waiting for you. They absolutely mean it when they say every ticket, every venue, everywhere. And you can save even more with promo code PULSE in all caps to save you 5% off your total purchase. Just go to TixFlix.com and click the search bar. Search events based on your geographic location. Pick the show you want and BAM! It's showtime. Sporting events, Broadway shows, concerts and more with TixFlix.com. And while you're there, be sure to sign up for the email newsletter so you can stay up to date on the latest news and savings with TixFlix. That's TixFlix.com. T-I-X. D-L-I-T-Z dot com. Every ticket, every venue, everywhere. Once again, guys, make sure to use our promo code PULSE, capital P-U-L-S-E, to get 5% off all your tickets, whether it's sporting events, concerts, or anything of that like. You guys can use our promo code. You guys will get discounts on your tickets. an awesome site. You guys, there are no extra fees, no booking fees, anything like that. So definitely check it out for anything you guys want. MLB season is about to start up. We're ramping out. We're finishing out the end of the NBA season. So if you guys want to get yourself some NBA tickets, catch the last couple games before we make it into the playoffs, or if you even want to get playoff tickets, go ahead. Ahead, check that side out. You guys will get great deals on any of your tickets. Without further ado, let's bring in Dennis and our special guest to talk about the AFC South. And as I just mentioned, we have got Mr. Dennis Bennett with us here yet again today to talk about the AFC South. And I know you had a good weekend. Anybody who follows you on Twitter knows you had a good weekend. But tell us what you did this weekend, buddy. 
Well, I was supposed to be arm candy for my... And, oh, hello, by the way, I'm having a great day. I was supposed to be arm candy for my wife at a board of trustees dinner, which turned out to be a big old fat lie. And she surprised me with an early birthday present and bought me a ticket to go see Kiss on their farewell tour, which was super good. She only bought one ticket, which got me really close. I was like fourth row, uh -huh. right in front of Gene Simmons, who is the reason I took up the bass when I became a musician. You play an instrument? Yeah. I can't believe I've never told you. I play bass. Really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I slapped the bass big time. And so... One of our first concerts that she and I ever went to was uh, Kiss's first farewell tour back in the 90s. She decided uh, she'd spend the money on instead of getting two tickets and get me a better ticket. I got you. Well, it did look like you had a lot of fun. Uh, I am, though, Kiss is a little bit before, now I shouldn't say before my time, but uh, I still am a big fan of Kiss as well. It looked like you had a really good time. Um, you know, I'm extremely jealous that you got to go. She did the same thing for me a year or two ago with Guns N' Roses. She bought me a single ticket and took me up to Cleveland and dropped me off at the queue and let me go see their reunion tour. So I think I'm going to let her stick around. Yeah, that might be a smart decision on your part. Uh, but as we talked about before, uh, last week when we recorded with John on our free agency episode, and I as alluded to in the intro here, we have a special guest with us today, Mr. Max Friedman, who is a... Uh, another contributor to the Pulse Podcast Network. He runs his own podcast. Max, how you doing? I'm doing great, thank you. Hey, no problem. We're glad to have you on here to talk about the AFC West. Just kind of give our listeners a little bit of history about you, what you do for the Pulse Podcasting Network, your your life in fantasy, anything you want to tell us. Yeah, so I'm co-host of Tackling the Texans, where we look into pretty much everything Texans and obviously what's going on around the NFL. Um, I'm managing editor of a couple sites. I'm deep into draft. I work with Toro Times which is part of fan-sided, and fantasy-wise, I'm part of a couple dynasty leagues, so I pretty much know the way around it. I didn't quite win last year, but, you know, hopefully hopefully the future is brighter. Yeah, I mean, you can't win them every year, right? you got to keep those other people in your leagues coming back so they feel like they have a chance, and then that's when you break out that dynasty win, you know, five to ten of straight. Uh, of what a, I don't want to assume your favorite team is the Texans. Is that your favorite team, or do you have a different favorite NFL team? Yeah, yeah, it is the Texans. Okay, and favorite player? Ah, uh, Hopkins. Reason I'm a Texans fan. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Well, that is that is good to know. I I'll, don't really ask everybody that, but I figured I'd ask just to just to be on the safe side there. So, as I've talked about multiple times uh, here already, we are talking about the AFC South today. That's why we brought you on here. Uh, obviously, being a Texans fan, you guys know that you guys uh, won the division last year at 11-5, had a great year. After starting out 0-3, uh, you guys turned your entire season around. I personally am a big fan of Bill O'Brien, DeAndre Hopkins, Will Fuller, Deshaun Watson. I love those guys. Not so much the rest of your team. Well, J.J. Watt, I shouldn't. Forget about J.J. Watt because that, that man is, is just amazing. Uh, but the Texans had an amazing year last year. The Colts bounced back after getting Andrew Luck back, went 10-6, and six, had another great year, fought uh, with the Titans there in the last week and finished 9-7 to seven to make it into the playoffs. Uh, had a nice run there, unfortunately, knocking out your, guys, uh, your Houston Texans there in the first round of the playoffs. And then the Jaguars, a year after going into the AFC Championship game, bounced—I uh, shouldn't say bounced back—came back and fell flat on their faces, going five and eleven. Starting with the Houston Texans, who again won the division this past year. Just kind of your overall thoughts on there. Obviously, not any coaching changes and everything, but I, I do live in Texas now. I don't live in Houston. I live in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, but I do know some Houston Texans fans who 
aren't necessarily that happy with Bill O'Brien. He's he's gotten them to the playoffs multiple years. He looks like he's building a really good team there, but it just seems like he can't get over that hump. I would like your opinions on Bill O'Brien. Uh, do you like him? Do you think he should continue being with the Texans, or do you like to see him move on here sooner rather than later? Well, look, I, I, I really do like Bill O'Brien. I think he's a great players coach. He builds really good relationships, and ever since Penn State, he's been touted as a quarterback whisperer, and I don't know how much of a role he plays in Deshaun Watson's development, but obviously in his first two years, he's looked really good. So I don't exactly have many complaints with him, except he he really did struggle calling an offense last year. We didn't have an offensive coordinator. He called plays, ran personnel, and it was just a very basic offense, especially with the star power where uh, we have, where we have Watson, we have Hopkins, we have Fuller who blows the field wide open, and it just really lacked the dynamic aspect and look we have we have a new offensive coordinator and i think putting bill o'brien back into a position to just work on developing players and chemistry and working maybe a step back from the offensive play calling should make a very big difference but i do like him i do like his role on the team and i obviously see a future but i i would be naive to say it's not a make or break season for him okay dennis you have anything you'd like to add on bill o'brien it's it's one of those situations where you have a guy that does a good job and just can't quite get to great. At some point, the organization will lose patience, but you have to look over the landscape and see really what, who are you going to replace him with? I mean, he's, he's a good, he's a really good coach. Now, maybe he's a little too committed to Lamar Miller. That's a, I don't know who's going to go, who, who are you going to get to go there? There, there's only legitimately one or maybe two really good new head coaches each year, but there's six or seven or sometimes eight head coaching openings. And so Pat, you know, letting him go is going to be, it's, you know, as much as Cincinnati really underperformed, Marvin Lewis had them playing consistently at a pretty good level when, if they didn't have injuries, now he couldn't get over the hump with the playoff. I think Houston has to sort of, not to compare O'Brien to Lewis because O'Brien is a better coach, but he's going to have another year or two to put it together and make a deep run in the playoffs, or, or I think they're going to end up with another coach. Yeah, and I think that's the way it's going to roll. He probably has to get over that hump, make it past the make it past the divisional round at least this year, especially with the type of players we have on the team. And I think him and the GM Brian Gaynor pretty much seeing eye-to-eye with that, and they're trying to do everything they can to build that roster that can make that leap. Well, speaking of building the roster, so obviously they've let go. I shouldn't say they let go, but Tyron Matthew came in last year. I believe he signed the one-year deal. Um, went back out there. Obviously, he has left the team. They let Kareem Jackson go, and then Jadavion Clowney signed the uh, – or hasn't signed it, but he got franchise tagged by, uh, by the Texans, correct? Yeah. Okay, so and I know that there was a lot of reports out there that he's more than they're working toward a long term deal, but that hasn't come to fruition at the moment. No, not yet. Okay, well they have signed a couple of free agents that I personally really like. Uh, obviously, Tayshawn Gibson, former Brown, Brian Bowdy, Bodie Calhoun, also a former Brown, and then Bradley Roby. I thought was three great signings by the by the Texans here, all for the the secondary, which I think needed some improvement. Your thoughts on them adding those three guys to your guys' secondary? Yeah, for sure. Obviously, it's it's a tough pill to swallow losing Tyron Matthews. He's extremely talented. He has the veteran presence, but the Gibson value 
where the value with the Gibson signing was obviously really good. Body Calhoun came on on 900,000. He's been a pretty productive player for UDFA in Cleveland. And Bradley Roby obviously is on a one-year prove-it deal, and he's going to be out to show that he can play at the level he was at in 2017 when he had a really good season with the Broncos. So the value is there, and obviously the depth has picked up a little bit. I think we're definitely still going to be looking in the draft to still improve upon that uh, secondary. Yeah, I mean, on, on a smaller note here, they obviously added Darren Fells at tight end. Uh, for Dynasty and Fantasy, I'd like to get your thoughts, if you have any, on that tight end position, because I was someone who was really big on uh, Jordan Aikens last year. I thought he was a guy who could possibly break out and be their tight end of the future, but then I think we saw more of Jordan Thomas down the stretch. Uh, I don't think Darren Fells is going to be much fantasy-wise. I think he's more of just in there as kind of the blocker veteran presence there at tight end. Uh, do you think either one of these tight ends has a chance to break out, or would you prefer them kind of attack that position in this year's draft, it being uh, as heavy with good tight ends as it is. Uh, I think I think Bill O'Brien is, is well known for rolling with three tight ends on the roster, so we'll probably even see Ryan Griffin Cup before the season starts, and the Texans will probably roll with Fellas as the main blocker, and then Aikens and Thomas, who are both all-right receivers, and I think I'd be comfortable rolling with that as the three rostered tight ends. But in terms of fantasy, I would definitely hesitate to target any of them, because Aikens is a former uh, receiver from college, and uh, Thomas is obviously a receiving tight end too, and we really saw just a big mix of them, and unless one of them, unless news is spilling out of training camp saying that one of them is like blowing the coach's minds, I really can't see either of them running away with the job. They'll probably split time. Darren Fells, even though he's not a great receiver, is probably going to be the red zone target, so there may be a lack of touchdowns coming from Thomas and Aikens, and it may be a snap count of like 40, 40, 20. So I don't, I don't think the usage is going to be there to justify taking any of them in, in a dynasty league. All right. Note to self. Don't draft Jordan Thomas in this next round. Yeah. I was, oh, I was, was I audible there? You were, you were, that's all right. Now I'm, I'm going to avoid him as well now. Um, so obviously you guys still have about $42 million left in cap space. Uh, just from everything I've seen, the biggest needs are offensive tackle, guard, cornerback, nose tackle. I don't think safety is as much of a need now, obviously, with the signings you guys have already made. Is there a free agent out there you got you would like to see the Texans kind of attack and try and get, or would you just rather them kind of go into now with uh, into the draft with that they have? And uh, I mean, in my opinion, obviously, attack offensive line—that's their biggest need, I would think. But uh, just kind of go into the draft and attack everything there. Yeah, look, I think the obvious one, and pretty much every Texan fan would be on the exact same page with this, but obviously Donald Penn just got released by the Raiders, and sure, he's aging and he just had his worst season, but the fact of the matter is we had two of the worst offensive tackles in the league last year, and without a doubt, he's he's an upgrade over who we have, so if we sign him to a one-year, two-year deal to bridge the gap, maybe while we hope to hit on another in free agency or through the draft, I think... Donald Penn is somebody we should for sure target in free agency. Otherwise, the guard positions aren't great, but they definitely weren't as bad as the tackle positions last year. The cornerback room isn't good, but definitely has the depth to be formidable, and I would almost guarantee that we're going to draft a cornerback with one of our first three picks. Nose tackle, we're actually... DJ Reader is really good at nose tackle, but we're heading into more of a hybrid defense so we may need somebody to to work on pass rushing from a from a defensive tackle position 
So I don't think there's anybody out there that we could really target in free agency. But then again, it's a somewhat deep draft. At, well, not somewhat. It's a very deep draft at defensive tackle. And that might be a sleeper pick for the Texans. I don't think a lot of people would expect them to target one high in the draft. And I don't see it first round, but for a day two pick, it's entirely possible. Uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't say we really need to go heavy, throw money at anybody in free agency right now, other than maybe Donald Penn, who obviously I would love to see in the Texans jersey next year. You know, I, I think with Indomitian Sue out there, he could be somebody to slide there in there in the middle. And, and with J.J. Watt and Jadavion Clowney on the outside taking some pressure, he could, he could uh, as a stopgap for a year or two, provide some pass rushing, pres- pass rushing presence uh, from the middle of the line. So I don't know if he'll be cheap because he tends to be very proud of his work and price himself <laughs> I'm very important. Uh, I have many leather-bound books, and my apartment smells of rich mahogany. <laughs> I, I'm friends with Merlin Olson too. He comes over on occasion. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he, he is definitely an option. Yeah, and he he's a good option, and I'm sure he would be a, a pretty good fit for what we're looking for. The only thing is we've we've really valued not exactly valued isn't the right word. We've really made sure that we're valuing players uh, the way they should be. And I think Sue, as you said, he's very proud of what he's done. He would probably demand too much money for what we're willing to shell out here. Makes sense. So you were talking about the the draft picks. I was just to give everybody uh, an idea of what they're looking at here. If you guys don't follow the Texans, uh, they have seven picks altogether this year. They pick at twenty three, making it into the playoffs and everything. Uh, they have two second round picks, is what you were referencing earlier, saying three picks in the first two rounds. Obviously, their first round, their second round, and they have the second round pick from Seattle as well. Uh, before we move on to any dynasty risers and fallers on the the roster for the Texans, I'd like your opinion on Lamar Miller. Um, Anybody who listens to our podcast knows that I am an av- advent uh, hater of, of Lamar Miller. I think he's a wildly overrated. Um, I think he's good as a uh, uh, for fantasy wise. I'm NFL wise. He's very good for the NFL. Don't get me wrong on that. But I mean, for fantasy wise, I've always said that he's a middle to lower tier RB two. But a lot of people like to rate him higher than that. Uh, I just like your opinions on him, whether it's NFL or fantasy, however you want to address it. Look, the problem with him is he's just incredibly average. Uh, he's no more, no less. He does exactly what he needs to do. He doesn't break anything loose. He doesn't really do anything exceptional. Uh, one thing to look for in fantasy is obviously uh, Bill O'Brien's a big fan of just running them up in between the tackles. Like first down, first and 10, just run in between the tackles and pick up one or two yards, which I literally cannot explain at all. It makes no sense to me, but... We've had an Alfred Blue in the past who's been just just a bigger body to maybe run that play with, but we don't have him this year. So in terms of dynasty, I wouldn't be... And obviously, he's not even a lock to uh, Deontay Foreman. He's not even a lock to make the roster at this point. He obviously had a huge injury last year. He's going into his third year, and he definitely needs to prove himself. He's not a lock, even though he, he in, all likelihood, in all likelihood would make the team. But he's a bigger body that may seem may see some carries running the ball up the middle. And look, Lamar Miller is, he just is what he is. Not improving. He's not quite declining yet. And he's just incredibly average. And 
that's that's about all there is to say about him. He, he'll, he's actually not too bad a fantasy option, but he's somewhat inconsistent as well. It's just his usage is high. Yeah, I mean, if I could sign on for 1,000 yards and five touchdowns and 4.6 yards per carry, I'd probably be up for it. Yeah. yeah. That's what and he then, had last year. Yeah, fantasy option. He, he pretty much does what he needs to do, and he did that missing, I think it was three games. I think two he games. played it. Okay, missing two games. So, look, he has it in him to perform fantasy-wise as a running back just in the league itself. He's incredibly average, and nothing wrong with that. I don't think we're going to reach on any in the draft. I don't think that's necessarily a need for us. But, obviously, he's aging, and maybe next year, the year after, Foreman can't separate himself from the... Or not separate himself. If he can't prove that he's a top-tier back, then we may be looking in the draft for one next year in 2020. So as a Texans fan, do you think there's any there there with the Dante Foreman? Or is he just not going to be able to come back from that Achilles? Obviously, his recovery time was a long time. And I think part of that is the fact that we had Alfred Blue on the roster and we didn't need a Russian back because uh, Miller and Blue did a pretty good job as, as an all-right running back duo. But he definitely flashed some potential in his rookie year. He had some big runs. He scored some touchdowns, and I don't think he's going to have enough snaps this year to maybe be a serious threat if you're looking fantasy-wise or really just for the casual watcher of the NFL. I don't think he's really going to stand out or be incredibly noticeable, but he was exceptional in college. He showed quite a bit of what he can do in his in his rookie season, and I think if he has recovered, which he should because he did spend pretty much a year recovering. We gave him all the time in the world because we didn't want to rush him back. Obviously, Achilles is a really tough recovery. And assuming he recovered all right, I do think that he could definitely carve a role at the very least as a running back by committee back. And I definitely see starter potential in him, but obviously he's not going to ever make it into the tier of like Zeke and uh, Gurley and all of those players. All right, so when we wrap up a team's, uh, what we do is we talk about our dynasty risers and fallers. So what I'm going to ask of you is someone on your roster, and it can be anybody. I mean, obviously Deshaun Watson and, and DeAndre Hopkins are not uh, risers unless you would have them. as They could obviously fall in the faller category. Uh, but someone that you think maybe not a lot of people are talking about that you think could have a huge year next year for the Houston Texans. Uh, is there anybody on that roster fantasy-wise that you think could rise up uh, and make a big impact for fantasy players next year? So, if I were to go with a fantasy riser, it would be Kiki QT. He came out of Texas Tech. He was drafted fourth round last year. He was very injury prone, and that's the risk that comes along with him. But if he can stay healthy, he's the perfect complement to DeAndre Hopkins, and we saw it because his usage was through the roof when he did play. And his first game of the season against the Colts in week, it was either week four or five, that he had, I think it was 11 receptions for over 100 yards. And he's just that type of player that's going to roll through the slot. He has his go routes. And especially if you're in a PPR league, he's definitely someone who's going to have a ton of receptions. He's going to have pretty good yardage. He's going to be the type of guy that could possibly even have some running touchdowns. He had a touchdown last year on that play where you just uh, pitch the ball forward a yard and it counts as a, as a passing touchdown for Deshaun Watson, but you definitely don't hear his name a lot, and there's obviously injury concerns, but if he can stay healthy, he, he could be a very good sleeper option. You know, I could see Fuller rising 
But the challenge with Fuller is going to be how many uh, targets is QT going to take from him. I've never been a big Fuller guy because he, he, he didn't seem to catch the ball very well. But I've been totally wrong about him. Now, he's had some fluky injuries and missed a bunch of time. If he stays healthy this year, though, I, you know, he is that deep threat, and Watson has uh, an eye for him and isn't afraid to throw it down there. So I, I could see Fuller really sur- surpassing, uh, moving up into a top top thirty wide receiver, which which would in turn depress uh, QT's uh, ability to rise. You know, they had uh, let me see where is it at with the Texans through five hundred and five passes last year so you know if deandre is getting 150 or 160 um you know it starts to break down pretty quickly because he does uh, uh watson isn't afraid to spread the ball around so that might cap both fuller and qt some but i can see i could see fuller uh breaking out legitimately this year uh, if he can stay healthy and be consistent yeah and i, I think he broke out for the most part last year he just had his season cut short, but he was probably producing at a top 15, top 20 wide receiver value. Watson definitely has an eye for them, and they connect for pretty much a touchdown per game from uh, the second Watson stepped onto the field. And sure, it can take away from QT. The thing I really like about whether you're looking at drafting Fuller or QT is there's obviously injury concerns for both, which is a little bit of an issue, but they they, the three of them with Hopkins also complement each other really well. And obviously the target breakdown may not look that favorable, but none of them really draw passes. Fuller has really uh, worked on that since his rookie season in his second year where he dropped just a ton of touchdowns. But they really do complement each other, and the target numbers may not be there. But I think the production, when they're all healthy, will will be pretty good. I think they should be able to work together well enough to make them all uh, draftable in all dynasty leagues. Yeah, and I had Fuller as mine too, although I do like the QT call. I thought he was a really good win healthy last year. We obviously saw, I thought he had a really good playoff game for them against the Colts. Uh, the reason I had Fuller was uh, almost based completely on what you guys were just talking about. Um, he did struggle that rookie year with drops, but it really looked like he improved it last year. And he looked like a completely different player to me last year. I felt like the way the team shift coverages to DeAndre Hopkins uh, allowed Fuller to make plays in the secondary. That's why it seemed like, as you were just touching on Max, he was scoring touchdowns uh, every single game with Deshaun Watson because I think that fits Watson's game so well as well. Uh, the way he's able to get out of the pocket and throw the ball deep. Uh, you know, Hopkins doesn't have that blazing speed that Will Fuller has. So uh, that was my pick as well would be Will Fuller in hopes, obviously, that he stays healthy as you guys both just touched on. He does have a, uh, a awkward injury history, I guess would be a way to put it, with some of the fluky injuries he's had both with QT. But I'd be really excited. I know a lot of people are talking about the Colts being the risers in this division of possible winners next year. And I think a lot of people are forgetting just how good this offense is if all their pieces are healthy. Uh, So I'm really liking Will Fuller to continue that breakout season. He started last year and finishing it this year and hopefully staying healthy the whole season. Yeah, I was just about to say, obviously the Colts roster has uh, like risers all around it. Andrew Luck did an exceptional job and he was often looked at as uh, comeback player of the year, but he honestly wasn't too far out of the MVP conversation. Yeah. And look, the Texans have talent all over, but we have a new OC this year, and we need to prove it as much as as much as the Colts really did last year too. Yeah. 
All right, so is there anybody on this roster that you think is is going to possibly be falling out of grace for fantasy? Uh, for instance, mine was uh, someone you had already touched on, and that's Dante Foreman. Uh, I've seen a lot of the same things that you were talking about, although it's it's fairly, I would say even fairly obvious. There's, there's obviously a very good chance that he'll make the roster, but it's not a guarantee, and I feel like that injury, as bright as he looked his rookie year, that injury really struck him down that year and then obviously he didn't in my opinion didn't even look that great this year now maybe it was the injury him just trying to bounce back he did come in late in the year and it is kind of hard I would think to kind of get in the groove of things that late into the season Uh, but for me a lot of people are building him up as the next great back and the guy who's going to be the future for Houston and I know you said that you didn't think that they would uh, draft a running back this year possibly wait till next year I wouldn't be surprised if they try and grab a guy this year to kind of come in and supplement a little bit more and help out Lamar Miller and even if they wait till next year where it's a low at RB class. I kind of think that Dante Foreman isn't necessarily on his way out, but I don't think he's the future here in Houston. Uh, is there someone that you have that you think is going to fall out of fall out of grace here for this team? Uh, yeah, obviously I understand the, the Foreman conversation, and it really depends how you looked at him in the first place. If, if you did stash him last year in a dynasty league and you expected him to come back in his third year and just uh, produce like a starting running back, then that may be a little bit of a problem, and he may be looked at as a feller in that scenario. And the reality of it is, teams do draft running backs basically every year, and we probably will draft one late rounds, and there's always the possibility that they hit and end up a starting running back like we've seen with Kareem Hunt two years ago and Philip Lindsay last year. So uh, regardless of whether you're looking at Foreman, or for me, my dynasty feller would be Lamar Miller just because I can see Foreman taking some carries away from Lamar Miller, and Lamar Miller is obviously aging, and the offensive line, obviously we still have the draft to go, but they haven't exactly made any adjustments or upgrades on the offensive line. So I could see Lamar Miller falling off, and especially if they do manage to hit on somebody in the draft, then it's entirely possible that Foreman and Lamar Miller take a big hit because we've already said that it's going to be running back by committee, which almost guarantees that we're going to draft. Probably, who knows, it could be a, it could be a higher round, but pro- most likely a later round running back. And if they do come in and take over, then Foreman and Miller are both going to really struggle to get those carries. Let's move on to the Indianapolis Colts, and we've already touched on them a little bit here and there, talking about the season they had last year. Obviously, getting Andrew Luck back was huge for them. A lot of people not sure what he was going to look like. Uh, Obviously, we're leading up, I think, right even into the first preseason game. There was talk about him not even throwing a regulation football. A lot of worries about him, and while it did look like he struggled a little bit early on, the the further into the season we got, it looked like the rust was coming off. We got back to that MVP, Andrew Luck, as Max, you were just touching on. Um, I thought that the Colts looked good. Really surprised that they haven't made that many moves this offseason, though. They came in as one of the teams with the most cap. Uh, they obviously let Chester Rogers, Dontrell Inman, and Ryan Grant go for fantasy. There's other guys, but those are the guys that main focus for fantasy-wise. All the, the wide receivers that obviously had to step up due to the Deion Kane injury, um, all wide receiver threes and lower. They did sign Devin Funches. I'm not a fan of Devin Funches. I think he uh, is just horrible. Uh, all in all, uh, do you have any thoughts on, on their free agency so far? How you think their roster shaping up compared to the Texans right now, Max? It, it was surprising, obviously, uh, that they haven't done more because I think uh, I think they entered free agency with over 100 mil. I think they're still sitting at 77, which I think Funchess was 13, so maybe they entered at 90 mil. 
But I'm not a big fan of Funches either. I wouldn't touch him in free agency just because he also, except for T.Y. Hilton, they've really never had somebody that can produce over uh, consecutive years for the most part. So you, you really don't know what you're getting with Funches. But then again, on a one-year deal, I guess with that much cap space, it can't really be uh, that big a mistake. But yeah, the, the roster obviously doesn't look great, but we saw it last year because I don't think the roster was up to par with what the Texans had, but coaching obviously makes a big difference, and I think they're more than in line with the players they had, especially if they can have a draft even close to what they had last year with Nelson and Leonard and Braden Smith. I think they're probably in line to go head-to-head with the Texans again for the division. Yeah, I, I love what the, the Colts did um, when they started to rebuild. They went out and got offensive linemen, which was really the biggest weakness they had. I've been a Marlon Mack fan, uh, a truther, if you will. I think he's just a dynamic player. And while I wasn't on board with Naheem Hines, uh, he showed me that he's uh, he's just a, a bigger and better version of Tariq Cohen, which makes me sad because I really wanted Marlon Mack, who caught a bunch of passes in college, to be able to uh, really become a three-down guy. So he's probably not going to. But Mac, Mac looked really good. You know, they're strong uh, with T.Y. Hilton. and But I, I think they, they, you know, I'm as a guy who grew up as a Detroit Lions fan and has watched them all his life, my concern is that uh, Eric Ebron is going to revert to his old uh, drop the ball all the time ways. Now, they've got Jack Doyle, but... Uh, down the field, Doyle is not as dynamic as Ebron is. So maybe, maybe uh, Funchess takes some of that uh, from from them. You know, he Funchess was our early pick for a reason, uh, regardless of what a lot of us want to think about him. Uh, if they continue to build around that line and not uh, spend a bunch of money wastefully, and I think that's what what's going on there now is. They're not spending money just because they have it. He's looking at the team and saying, well, we've got these draft picks coming up. Uh, they have nine picks in this draft. They have two seconds, uh, as well as pick number 26. So they have the ability to move around once they get into the draft. If they make some good choices and continue to build depth along that front, I think they need another dynamic wide receiver. Um and maybe Fountain is that guy. Maybe he comes out. Maybe Deion Kane is that guy. But T.Y. Hilton is starting to get, I mean, he's 27, 28 years old now, I think. And uh, at, at some point, they're going to have to give him another alpha wide receiver if they want to continue to grow. Yeah, and with as many picks as they have, it's entirely possible that this is the year that they look for somebody in the top of the draft. But as you mentioned, Funches is a big a big body that can definitely run a lot of the routes Ebron did last year. Dion Kane, they loved in training camp before. I'm pretty sure he spent the season hurt. Uh, Doris Fountain is, he was pretty good in college and we, I really haven't heard too much about him in the NFL, but obviously if he's going to hold a roster spot, then there's something there with him. So yeah, I think uh, it's definitely possible to add another wide receiver on top of Hilton and Funches, but, yeah, it, might, it may be a little bit of a wild card there with who they have other than Hilton. 
Yeah, I mean, I think the, the Colts are poised to, to make a very good run here. Maybe if not just at the division, but at least a playoff spot with, the, with their team, the way that it's built, as you were just touching on, Dennis. Uh, I think that they've handled the entire sort of rebuild the past couple years while Luck was hurt magnificently with building that offensive line the way that they did. That's obviously the key there to keeping your quarterback healthy. On top of that, um, they've really done a good job building the defense over the past couple years. I mean, in my opinion, their biggest weaknesses are defensive line and wide receiver, and they just so happen lucked into, as you were just talking about, all the draft picks they have. This is also an extremely deep defensive line and wide receiver class coming out this year in the NFL draft. So they can easily attack both of their biggest needs in this draft. I wouldn't be surprised if they went out there and tried to get another wide receiver, as you were just touching on, Max. I mean, just T.Y. Right now, it's literally just T.Y. Hilton, Deion Kane, Fountain, and Funches. And while Kane did get a lot of pub last year until he tore his ACL, a lot of people thinking that he was going to do something. I still think he has a chance to break out this year. That was obviously last um, it was actually before the preseason games, I believe. It happened in training camp, so he's going to have over an entire year before he gets back out there, so he should be good to go, hopefully. Fountain, who did produce in college, it seems like when it came to the NFL side of things, just couldn't keep up or what was something was going on that he just didn't seem to excel and get on the field enough. Um, maybe it's just because it was his rookie year. We've we've heard the stigma here lately. It seems like that takes two or three years for wide receivers to break out. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how he handles things this preseason. Uh, a guy that I was thinking about earlier, obviously just got released a couple weeks ago by the Baltimore Ravens. I, I would actually like them to see, see them possibly go out and get a guy like Michael Crabtree. Uh, I think he's still got a – a fair amount of uh, juice left to play the game. I think he could be a very good player on the other side uh, of T.Y. Hilton, a very good possession receiver. He, he looked good, I thought, at Baltimore when Joe Flacco was there and was actually able to get him to ball, the ball compared to Lamar Jackson. Uh, so that's someone I would like them to see and go out there, maybe just to add a little bit more depth, bring in that veteran presence there. Because, um, I mean, yes, T.Y. Hilton is 29, so he's getting up there in age, uh, but then the rest of the guys are kind of younger, so get, those, uh, get another veteran presence in that locker room. Yeah, and especially with the amount of cap they have, and obviously we've seen that they're not really willing to just go out and spend senseless money. So Crabtree had a down year last year, and it's something that probably if I'm a Colts fan, I would love to look into as a team to maybe sign Crabtree for one year, prove his worth again, and have that cap space freed up again next year where it's supposed to be a really, really special wide receiver draft. All right, so back on to the Dynasty Risers and Fallers for the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, we'll kick it off with uh, Max. If you have anybody, then Dennis, and I'll go last. Yeah, so if I'm looking at one riser, and this is entirely dependent on how he's classified also, but Naheem Hines obviously looked really good last year, and I was super skeptical of him coming out of college. I wasn't sure if his game would translate, but for most of the season last year, he was listed as a or not listed as, but you were able to play him at tight end as well as running back. And obviously, he was pretty much purely a running back last year, but if you could get that production out of a tight end, it's it's something you can't pass up on because he did look really, uh, really good. His usage and touches should only go up uh, with the addition of Funches and maybe somebody through the draft. That offense is probably only getting better and more dynamic, and I think he's a really good gadget piece to look into owning in the Dynasty League. What platform was he listed as a tight end on? Yahoo. Okay. Because I know Jalen Samuels was, but I didn't know Naheem Hines was. Yeah, I, th- I'm, I believe Naheem Hines was as well. I could definitely be wrong about that, but I know he played um, some receiver and tight end at NC State as well. 
Uh, either way, even if he's listed as a running back, and if you could pick him up in the late rounds or if you could get him on the cheap, he's uh, probably going to uh, get a lot more touches next year, and he could be somebody worth owning regardless. Oh, yeah, he killed it when it came to the receiving. He he had a bunch of targets. Uh, I was What did he end up with? 70 receptions, I think, is what he had. So, yeah, uh, 63 receptions on 81 targets. So he really he, – he's substantially overperformed what I expected from him. If I can grab him this year uh, uh, in drafts, I certainly am going to be looking at it. Yeah, absolutely. Dennis, do you have a riser on this roster? I do. I'm a – I'm a big Marlon Mack fan, and I'm, I'm going to ride it one more year. You know, last year, Mack rushed for 908 yards uh, in 12 games, 4.7 yards per carry, uh, and he had nine touchdowns. Well, I don't necessarily expect more in the touchdown uh, output. I can see him going up from his 195 carries to about 250 carries. And he did get 26 targets. So the opportunity for him to build on that is, is going to be there. Um, you know, he's an explosive running back. I think he's going to move into that mid-tier to high RB2 range. Um, I would, I can clearly, I can see him definitely inside the RB20, um, maybe as high as 14 or 15 pretty comfortably. All right. And, uh, for me, it's it's Deion Kane, though I do love the Naheem Hines call there by you, Max. Um, as Dennis can attest to, I was uh, possibly one of the only people who was very high on Naheem Hines coming out. Him and uh, him yes, and were. were were a couple of my guys that I was big on. Now, I was also big on Jordan Wilkins, and he semi not even semi. He really failed me last year, but. You know what? I, I, I still am going to take credit for the Naheem Hines call. I thought he was going to be just as good as Philip Lindsay was coming out. I, I love both those guys, and I do agree with you guys both uh, that Hines, if you guys can get him, uh, I don't know how underrated he is right now, but I agree he's he's better than Tariq Cohen, and Tariq Cohen is going much higher than him. So if you guys can get Hines, I would take him in a heartbeat over Cohen because I think Hines is in a better offense on a better team is going to produce more than Tariq Cohen. Uh, but for me, mine is Deion Kane. Uh, as we've all touched on here so far, the the wide receiver core is very thin for the Colts. Um, I, I neither it seems like none of us, none of the three of us, like Devin Funches and T. Y. Hilton can't catch every ball thrown by Andrew Luck. I, I like Jack Doyle and I like Eric Ebron, um, and, and Andrew Luck does like to target the tight ends very often, but everybody knows that he does that, so they'll likely cover those guys too. Deion Kane was getting a lot of pub, just not just from Indianapolis, but from a lot of people last year in spring training. God, there I go again with the baseball spring training stuff. In training camps, and um, I think that he's just poised to continue doing that. I really like Deion Kane coming out of college. I think he's, he's due for a really good year this year as long as he can stay healthy, and Deion Kane is going to be my riser. Do you guys have any fallers on this roster? Look, for me, and I'm saying this as somebody who ended up with Ebron in week three just off the waiver wire, and obviously I loved every second of owning Ebron, but it, it's really hard to see him sustaining what he did last year. And that's not to say he's not going to be a, a good option in fantasy, and he probably will be. But he was he was a very, very good tight end last year, and especially in a year where it was pretty much a down year for anybody not inside the top five tight ends. And he produced pretty much as well as anybody in that second tier of tight ends. So 
look, I think he's going to be good once again, but I can't see him sustaining what he did last year in that Colts offense. Yeah, as I said before, I'm definitely not on Team Ebron. I think a healthy Jack Doyle is going to cut into his targets. Uh, the addition of Devin Funches is going to cut into his targets. Naheem Hines being on the field is going to cut into his targets some. And with fewer opportunities, I, I think he'll start to press more. Is he going to have a good year? Sure. Is he going to be, let's see, where did he finish? Tight end four last year? I, I, I don't think it necessarily takes a, a ton of points to, to be a top 12 tight end. Last year, the, the tight end 12 scored 125 and a half points. So will he be end up a tight end one next year? Probably. Uh, is he going to be tight end four? No, I would expect him to be down around the eight, eight to ten range. So he's gonna he's gonna drop pretty pretty substantially. Yeah, and I agree with both of you on the Ebron call. Um, as big a fan as I am of Eric Ebron, uh, no, again, uh, we've brought it up before, Dennis. The the uh, bet we had on the the back row show about who would be better, Eric Ebron and Jack Doyle. Uh, Ebron, it, a lot of it, I think, came at the expense of Jack Doyle in the way for the fact that he got hurt. Obviously, that kind of helped boost Ebron up even more than obviously the injuries to the wide receiver core as well. You really just had Ty and Ebron out there. That's who that's who luck was going to. Uh, but for me uh, and all you Marlon Mack truthers, you guys can at me whatever it is you want to do. I think it's going to be Marlon Mack. I just. I'm going to continue to ride this train that he's just not that good because I don't think that he is. I think much like Max said about Lamar Miller, he's just average. And while there's nothing wrong with that, I just don't think that he's going to be the next coming of Le'Veon Bell or Saquon Bark. Well, I shouldn't go Saquon because Saquon's a god. Uh, but Zeke, any of those guys, because <laughs> uh, Marlon Mack, in my opinion, is just not that good. We saw Naheem Hines at times out touching him. Yes, Marlon Mack had... Three good games last year. Congratulations, Marlon Mack Truthers. You got your three good games. He's just, he's average. And I do think that whether it's this year or next year, they're going to draft a running back to replace Marlon Mack. Remember, you heard it here first. And if you didn't, I will delete this episode out of our archives so you can never have it again. But I promise you, I shouldn't say I promise you, I really think that Marlon Mack is due for a serious regression this year and is eventually going to be replaced, whether it's this year or next year. Well, man, they're all eventually going to be replaced. And running backs are replaced faster than anybody, so that's a that's a pretty generic uh, way to go. Well, yeah, because I'm trying to be right, and that's all that matters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, after your Ronald Jones take, I guess I would try to be uh, generic too. Exactly, I got to make up for it somehow. All right, so, so that, that that was my Marlon Mack love coming out there. I hey, apologize, right. Matt. No, no, that wasn't I, very nice. I understand. I understand. You know, I usually wait for you to bring up Ronald Jones before I bash you. No, that's all right. Like I said, I've, I, I remember all the times I had to defend Philip Lindsay like that because everybody was saying <laughs> I was an idiot for talking about how much I love Philip Lindsay last year. And, and and I understand. Like I said, Marlon Mack could come out here next year and do what he did in some of because he did look explosive in a couple games last year. Do not get me wrong. But he's just suffered with injuries so much through his career, and then the rest of the time has looked average to me. And I just don't think if the Colts really believed in him, they would have gone out and drafted Naheem Hines and Jordan Wilkins just to back him up. And they also had, I think, like four other running backs to start the year last year. I know Robert Turbin was there. It was like a bunch of guys that have just been moving around. And for me, for if you have that many running backs in your camp to start the season, it to me made me think that they don't believe in Marlon Mack. And I think it just com- it's my confirmation bias, I guess is the best way to put it, uh, because I don't believe that he's that good, and I think we're going to see it sooner rather than later that he's not. 
Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is 8-Bit Ray from the Gorilla Brain Podcast, part of the Pulse Podcast Network. Did you know that you could be using this spot to advertise your company or business? Well, I've done the research, and PodcastInsights.com report that podcast listeners are loyal, affluent, and mostly college-educated, but most importantly, are five times more likely to interact with the ad they hear on their favorite podcast than an ad from any other medium. If you would like to advertise your company or brand with our network, it's simple. All you have to do is send an email to marketing at pulsepodcastnetwork.com. I'll say it one more time marketing at pulsepodcastnetwork.com and we hope to hear from you soon all right so moving on to the tennessee titans uh, obviously they had a decent year finishing nine to seven especially with the fact that marcus mariota seemed was hurt uh, it would not seem like uh, he was hurt every single game missed games we saw blaine gabbert come in there and we all know he's not that good of a quarterback so the Titans obviously made a couple of very interesting free agent moves this year. Uh, signing Adam Humphreys after what was, I would say, considered a very a breakout season last year. Had a really good back half of the year with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And then made the trade for Ryan Tannehill, which uh, have a lot of people questioning whether or not Marcus Mariota is... Uh, uh, you know, going to be the starting quarterback of the, the Titans much longer. We'll start with the Adam Humphreys signing first and move our way into the trade after that. Your guys' thoughts on the Adam Humphreys uh, signing there with the Tennessee Titans? Oh, look, for the most part, Adam Humphreys is he's good and he might be slightly better than the average receiver, but he's definitely nothing special. I think it's a good pickup regardless because they really didn't have anything or any receivers there after Corey Davis. So, look, it'll probably work out, and it's a good pickup to look through for free agency, and he's he's going to be worth owning next year in leagues for sure, but with the quarterback situation and the fact that I'm not exactly too high on Humphreys, he doesn't exactly worry me as a Texans fan in the division. Uh, yeah, look, he, he may be somebody who may be hit or miss, because he's talented, he's coming to a new offense, but he's also coming to an offense that has Mariota and Tannehill as their two quarterbacks. Corey Davis isn't exactly dragging defenses out uh, to the other side of the field. Yeah, it's it's going to be, you know, signing Tannehill uh, or trading for Tannehill sort of leads me to believe that that ulnar nerve is still giving Mariota some problems. They may be talking the good game, and you always want to have a good backup and while as much as we want to say Tannehill sucks, you know, there's there's only 32 starting spots and 32 backup spots. And to be one of the 64 best quarterbacks in the nation uh, at the professional level says something. Lately, my, my saying has been, if it was easy, everybody would be doing it. Are there going to be, you know, I, I think Vrabel is going to, run the ball this year. I, I'm looking at a 300-carry season for Derrick Henry. Um, I, I think that some of it's going to depend on does Delaney Walker come back? If Walker comes back, then that might diminish a little bit of what Humphreys can do. But if Walker is out and they don't have the confidence in Smith, then Humphreys may get some more opportunity and some more targets. Uh, Walker kind of was a target hog there uh, for most of uh, for most of his time. So Humphreys could soak up some of those targets if they're easing Delaney back or he doesn't come back strong. Yeah, I mean, for me, I actually kind of like the Adam Humphreys signing. I think uh, 
What we've seen from Marcus Mariota is, is just as you were touching on with Delaney Walker and how he was kind of the target hog, I think it's just because Marcus Mariota feels more comfortable not necessarily checking down, but not throwing that deep down the field. And I think that that kind of works to Adam Humphrey's benefit. I think he's going to be used as their primary slot wide receiver, which I think he's going to be able to use. I don't want to say he's that explosive, but get uh, decent matchups in there on the slot wide receiver, whether it's on the safety or possibly on some linebackers, depending on how they move him around. Uh, I like the fact that I think he will be able to get the ball from Marietta or Tannehill. We've seen Tannehill, if Tannehill's a starter. His, his best years were when, with Jarvis Landry. Now, I'm not comparing Adam Humphreys to Jarvis Landry, uh, but I think that he'll be able to succeed either way. A lot of that, again, coming back to what you were just touching on, Dennis, with uh Delaney Walker. I think Delaney Walker will be back. I hope he's back. He's uh, one of my favorite tight ends that I've seen play the game. A guy who's been consistently underrated at the tight end position. I'd hate to see him go out on a year uh, like that with the injury only playing, I think it was in two games or maybe even week one when he uh, blew out his, or I, well, I can't remember, was it his Achilles or was it an ankle injury? I don't, I don't remember off the top of my head. I know it was something with his his foot. It was a foot based injury. I know that. So, but I, I mean, I would hate to see him kind of go out like that. So, it'll be interesting to me to see what happens with him for sure. But uh, I really like the signing. I think that it could end up being great for them on the Ryan Tannehill trade. So, I know you were just touching on Dennis. You think that this might be something more towards. Uh, Marcus Mariota not being quite as healthy as we all think he might, and Ryan Tannehill possibly coming in and being the starter. Uh, do you agree with that, Max, or do you think he's being brought in more possibly as competition uh, to push Mariota, or he's just coming in clearly as the backup? I, it's tough to say if he's coming in clearly as a backup because he's definitely played long enough and he's been around the NFL long enough that he can easily take a take that starting spot if he performs well enough in training camp or if Mariota doesn't perform well enough in training camp. But I think for the most part, it's it's got to be looked at as a probable backup move because Mariota obviously has had his fair share of trouble staying healthy. And I think bringing in somebody like Tannehill compared to Gabbert, especially in such like a competitive division with the Texans and the Colts, you're just not going to end up winning games with Gabbert. So Tannehill obviously... He might not have the talent that Mariota has, but he's not a huge drop-off. So at least he can come in and possibly keep you in some games, do the bare minimum to stay in some games in the division if Mariota does go out again injured. All right, so we talked about this a little bit at our free agency episode. Uh, John asked you and me, Dennis, this question. I'm going to change it just a little bit. Uh, over under the games that you guys think Marcus Mariota starts this year at 8. I'll take the over on that. I think if if he's healthy, and obviously that's a risk, but I don't know if he's going to play less than half the season. I don't know if he's going to be injured early enough to miss that much, and I, I don't see Tannehill really giving him that much trouble uh, for the starting quarterback spot. Yeah, if, I'm, if the over-under is eight on Mary Oda, um, when we were talking with John, I took the under on Tannehill, so I'm going to take the over on Mariota to stay consistent. Okay, gotcha. I just I thought I'd throw it out there see, to get a Max's answer on it as well. So they obviously go in, still have about $32 million in cap space. Uh, their biggest needs are edge, offensive line, and wide receiver. Um, you know, again, Crabtree might be a decent fit here, uh, but I don't imagine they'll go and attack him. They already brought in, obviously, Adam Humphreys. Um, they do have a couple guys that are on 
I wouldn't say the back end of the roster, but possibly even fringe uh, maker, fringe roster uh, roster spots here with like guys like Taewon Taylor, guys they've drafted over the past here. They have six picks right now, no seventh rounder. They're picking at 19 again. Edge and wide receiver being some of their biggest needs. We just talked about it earlier. This is a very deep class for that. Uh, so I'd be interested to see if they attack that in the draft. I'd imagine they'd go defense heavy right there at the first of the draft. You could possibly get a wide receiver late third, fourth round. Um, just quick, I don't know if uh, if you've done much studying of this draft yet, at least the wide receivers, Max. You know, say you get to the second round and, and you know Nikhil Harry – Probably DK Metcalf and AJ Brown are off the board. So the top three guys for most people, uh, they're all off the board. And you're the the Tennessee Titans, and you've got to pick a wide receiver to bring in here and pair with Corey Davis and Adam Humphreys. Uh, do you have a wide receiver that you would take, or you just have uh, have you studied the class enough to answer that? Yeah, definitely. I've studied the class. I'm I'm deep into the draft, so I can pretty much talk about any position that really comes up and. Something that may be risky for them, but can really help them uh, just with a dynamic aspect is is Hollywood Brown. And he's had his fair share of injuries, and he obviously came in really, really small. And his only combine comparable was Deshaun Jackson, which obviously didn't work out badly. But he's really small. There's worries about uh, drop concerns and whether or not he's going to be able to take his game to the next level with his height and weight. I think he weighed in at 165. But he's he's obviously that deep threat that can really take some of the pressure off. You said Mariota doesn't really throw deep, and part of that, obviously, is the fact that Corey Davis and Adam Humphreys coming in, neither of them are, are exactly deep threats. So to really take somebody off the top and have safeties fall back into coverage like 40 yards down, 30, 40 yards downfield can make a very, very big difference. Otherwise, if you're just looking for... Um, just somebody to come in and produce day one, more likely to produce day one than Hollywood Brown would be somebody like Kelvin Har- uh, Kelvin Harmon or Hakeem Butler who blew up the combine and has a pretty good tape to go along with it. So I think both of them are probably better options to produce day one, but Hollywood Brown can be um, a long-term feasible option that can really change the that offense. So Max, if they're both there at... Oh, where are they picking now? Uh, 19. Since it's a deep draft at wide receiver, they could get pushed down some. So if A.J. Brown and Hollywood Brown are both there at 19, who should they take? Look, that's a tough one for sure, because A.J. Brown is rated higher for me than Hollywood, and I think most people would agree with that. The only thing is that uh, A.J. Brown probably doesn't do that much for their offense. He played a lot in the slot at Ole Miss, and he's showed that he can probably move outside. And you saw like the clip from the combine of him working with Steve Smith on routes, and he obviously uh, wants to improve his game and become a better all-around receiver. So I would go with A.J. Brown regardless, just because I don't think Hollywood is exactly uh, poised to go at 19. I think he may be a day-two pick, and I think it would be a reach to take him at 19. But A.J. Brown... Uh, he clearly has the work ethic to get better. I'm just not sure he does that much for the offense. I'm not sure um, if I would go with him at 19, but if I'm looking at AJ or Hollywood, I for sure would would go with AJ Brown at 19. By the way, that was the wrong answer. The correct answer would have been Hakeem Butler over everybody. Just 
Dennis, do you have anything to add to that? Is there, what wide receiver would you take? Is it different than uh, Marquise Brown or, or A.J. Brown? You know, I, I think if I'm Tennessee, I would uh, pass on the wide receiver at 19 and grab Debo Samuel in the second. Okay. Uh, yeah, I forgot your your love for Debo Samuel matches my love for Hakeem Butler, so I can understand that 100%. Now, he just is, he's, he's good, man. I don't disagree Debo with you. I, I agree. Debo Samuel is good. He's just not as good as Hakeem Butler. Nobody is. But that's just, you know, that, that's just truth. Uh, I'm not, <laughs> not saying anything bad about Debo Samuel. All right, so Dynasty Riser Faller time. Do you have a Dynasty Riser on this roster uh, for the Tennessee Titans, Max? Uh, for me, I got to go Derrick Henry. And it pains me to say it because ever since he came out from Alabama, I've been saying that uh, he was reached on, that he's just straight up not good. But uh, he proved me wrong in the last four games of last season. He obviously had that crazy game against Jacksonville. But even after that, he scored seven touchdowns in his last four games. He had his most productive in, ter- uh, in terms of yardage four games of the season. And if he can keep up to where he was and with the fact that they picked up Roger Saffold to play uh, the guard on the O-line, and a lot of that O-line was, was really injured last year. I'm pretty sure Luan and Conklin both missed significant time, so I'd say uh, Henry is probably poised to have a lot better season this year. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm on the Derrick Henry bandwagon, too. I, I've, uh, I've been a Henry hater for the entire time he's been in the NFL, and uh, watching him at the end of the season last year. And I think part of it for me, too, is being here. I, I'm in Columbus, Ohio. I watch Mike Vrabel play at Ohio State. I followed his career throughout the NFL. And he's sort of an old-school throwback mentality. We're going we're gonna to overpower you. And I think Derrick Henry fits that mold. And when you put him behind... Lewan and Saffold and Conklin uh, and the rest of those guys up front. I'm looking at a 300-350 carry season for uh, Derrick Henry. I think they're going to move Deion Lewis into a very, very complimentary role, and they're going to try to just hammer the ball with Derrick Henry, give him holes, let him uh, create some movement, and when he gets rolling, man, the dude the dude can run. He's not slow. No, he's not quick, but he's not slow. Look out. I've got cat-like speed and reflexes. Yeah, uh, for me, mine's Johnny Smith. Uh, I do think that he's going to end up taking over this role from Delaney Walker this year, even if Walker comes back. I liked what I saw out of Smith uh, in a small sample size there before he ended up getting hurt last year. Uh, regardless whether it's Marcus Mariota or Ryan Tannehill, I think that he's going to work in the parts of the field that both of those guys like to go to. I like him to take a step forward in, uh, as something you touched on earlier, Dennis, is a very weak position for fantasy. Obviously, tight end, um, you know, just scoring 100 points gets you into the top 12. Um, and I think that that's something Johnny Smith can do this year. Uh, real quick, want to add to the Derrick Henry uh, hate here. I also hate Derrick Henry, um, and I disagree with both of you. I think that we're going to see why everybody hates him again this year uh, because I think he's going to end up struggling like he does most years. Uh, I know he did. He was awesome at the last four year, or last four games here this year, and he did the same thing the year before. He was really good for the last four games. So, you know, if he's on the waiver wire here next year at the last four games, definitely pick him up. or possibly win you a fantasy championship, but up until that point, uh, I think he's uh, worthless is probably a harsh word in going too far, uh, but I think that he is uh, RB2 at best. Do you guys have any dynasty fallers on this roster? 
Um, for me, I would have to say the obvious pick has got to be Corey Davis. Ding, ding, ding! What do we have for Johnny? Didn't didn't exactly impress me in college. Hasn't really impressed me so far. But the fact that they're bringing in more targets uh, probably just means that he's not going to uh, produce like most would hope. Obviously, Humphreys takes some, and it would be it would be really, really surprising if they didn't take another wide receiver in the first couple rounds. So I think his uh, touch rate will probably go down uh, quite a bit. I think Delaney Walker is coming to the end of the road here pretty quickly myself. Um, as much as I like him as a player and the things he's done in Tennessee, you know, the, the injury he had was a dislocated ankle. And he's going to come back, but he's going to get pushed by Jonu Smith. And so he isn't going to get the historical number of targets that he usually has gotten. Um, they're bringing in Humphreys. They're going to run the ball. And it just, all, all of those things kind of add up to Walker, I don't want to say being little used, but suffering a substantial decrease in target from uh, 2017. Yeah, I don't disagree with you on the Walker call, however. I'm going to side with Max here on this one with Corey Davis, and it's mostly due to the fact that I think a lot of people just overrate him. I know that coming out of, I believe it was Western Michigan, if I'm remembering my colleges correctly here, he was he looked phenomenal. Uh, he looked like a great rookie prospect. He just doesn't fit in their offense, in my opinion. He's a, He needs a quarterback that's going to let him go deep down the field and get him the ball. And neither one of these quarterbacks, whether it's going to be Marcus Mariota or Ryan Tannehill, is going to do that. I think that everybody continues to value him as like this star that's going to break out and it keeps on oh, next year. Next year is going to be his year. No, no, next year is going to be his year. And it just never happens. I think that... He's just destined to be a, a middle-tier, low-end wide receiver, too. I don't think he's ever going to break into that wide receiver one territory that all his truthers want to see. And I think this is finally the year that everybody else is going to start realizing maybe he's not quite as good as we thought he was going to be coming into the NFL. Moving on to the Jacksonville Jaguars, who I think are possibly the most interesting team going into 2019 right now in this division with some of the moves that they've made. I personally have been a big fan of, so... Obviously, we saw them let go of, of TJ Yeldon. They cut Blake Bortles. Dante Moncrief is now gone as well. They bring in Chris Conley, Geoff, Geoff Swain, Jeff Swain. Everybody calls him Jeff Swain, right? Uh, I don't know. He's yep. pretty much a nobody in my opinion anyways, but I just wanted to get his name right. Kessie ever listens. What's up, my friend? And then Nick Foles at quarterback, <laughs> which I think is the most interesting signing. I know a lot of people want to keep bringing up the fact that when he went to St. Louis – um, yes, I know it was. We're still St. Louis. For anybody who wants to yell at me, they're in Los Angeles now. I know that. But uh, he, when they, when they were still in St. Louis, and he went there, he was horrible. But I think the fact that he has John D. Filippo now in Jacksonville with him, who was not necessarily calling the plays, as we all know Doug Peterson was, but he was still a part of that. He knows how Nick Foles likes to run an offense. He knows what makes Nick Foles comfortable. I think is a big deal coming into Jacksonville, which I think has a lot of weapons around him, a decent O-line around him. I think this team could be poised for a resurgence of what we saw a couple years ago. Your guys' thoughts on their free agent moves this so far this offseason? Yeah, well, obviously I've watched a, a ton of Jacksonville, and they were a team coming into last year that scared me. I remember going into our early season game against them. Uh, we were either 0-3 or 1-3 at the time, and I remember saying uh, that it was almost a guaranteed fourth loss and that our season was going to spiral out of control from there. What actually happened was we beat them, and their season spiraled out of control. But 
regardless, uh, a massive amount of blame goes on the Blake Bortles. Obviously, the dude is bad. Um, look, they have Nick Foles now, who even if even if he may not be worth the money that they signed him for, and even if he may not have such an unbelievable career, obviously that Eagle season excluded, he has brought an energy to the Eagles the past couple of years that does worry really need to have in the division because if he can lead that team and calm a lot of the uh, the egos that they have on the defense, I wouldn't be surprised to see them back in the fight for the playoffs. And Chris Conley's a good signing too. Somebody I would have loved to have as a complimentary piece, especially with Fuller and uh, QT always um, on watch for injury. He's a good signing and I'm sure he's going to uh, make a lot of Jags fans happy next year. Yeah, I, my concern with Foles is will he be able to keep it up for a whole season? And if he does, then will he be able to keep it up for two seasons? You know, when given the opportunity for long-term success, he seems to come up short. I, I want him to be successful because I love D.D. Westbrook. And I think uh, that it could be... There, there's definitely there's some dynamic playmakers in Jacksonville if they can just get the ball thrown to them. My hope is is that Foles, because of his familiarity with DiFilippo and vice versa, that they'll be able to put together an offense that lets them really shine. They have, you know, Fournette's a good running back if he can stay healthy. Um, I don't know if he's. I, I think he's destined if he if he gets healthy and stays healthy. I think Fournette's destined to fall into that Lamar Miller category of, well, he's just a good, he's just a guy that's an average running back and, you know, four yards of carry and 900 to a thousand yards if he gets enough touches kind of role. I don't think he's, uh, special like we thought he was coming out of LSU, but he's a, he's a good solid running back. Uh, they, they do lose a little bit of depth with Yeldon leaving. So there, there are, and, and the, Letting Hyde go, that was something, too. So they lack depth at the running back position now that they're going to have to address. It wouldn't surprise me to see them address it early um, if they don't believe, not at seven, but uh, if they don't believe in uh, Fournette long-term, if they're willing to let him just play out his rookie contract and then walk. It wouldn't surprise me to see them take a running back in the second or third round. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Matter of fact, that was going to be something I touched on here. So let's I'll touch on the draft first, and I want to get back to the wide receivers. I think that's a very interesting conversation. So they're obviously picking at seven. They have seven picks, uh, two third-round picks, no fifth-round pick. And I do think they're going to attack running back. So their biggest needs, uh, according to most, is quarterback, tight end, and cornerback. Now, I really don't think quarterback is that big of an issue. I don't see you taking any of these guys to 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 kind of come in and be the future behind Nick Foles right now. They obviously signed him. Yeah, they addressed that in free agency. Yeah, they they signed him to the four-year deal. They obviously feel he's now their future right now. They're not going to come in there and draft somebody. So right now you're looking at cornerback. You could easily get one of the best cornerbacks at seven. After that, I think they are going to attack running back. Now, something I've talked about for a very long time, uh, for anybody who's followed me through my FLA days, uh, before even the podcast, I talked about how I did not believe in Leonard Fournette. Uh, There were a lot of people, if you read about it when he was coming out of college, I can't remember. I wish I could remember the doctor's name right now. But it was the guy who did the surgery on Leonard Fournette's ankle. 
came out and said that he was going to have issues with that ankle his entire career uh, because it was just already so messed up. There was no way he was ever going to be fully healthy again. Uh, that's why I told everybody back that day to draft Christian McCaffrey 1-1 in their rookie draft because I thought McCaffrey was going to be a stud. Everybody was worried about him sitting out games, all that, all that nonsense, and look at him now. I don't know if they're going to draft somebody to replace Leonard Fournette, but I could see them drafting a guy like Mike Weber who can come in, who I think is going to end up being better than T.J. Yeldon, come in and be that receiving back role. Someone can come in there, change pace. He can also run it up on you. There's a lot of guys in that draft that are like this. Mike Weber, just uh, being a Buckeye, is kind of a guy I really like. I think could fit well in that offense. That's why I threw his name out there. But there's a lot of guys in that class that are very much like him. I could see them easily drafting one of those guys to kind of come in uh, and really flourish here in this offense besides Leonard Fournette, especially if Fournette ends up sitting multiple games again due to injury. Uh, do you guys agree with that? You think they're going to kind of go a different way in the draft? Your guys' thoughts on, on their possible draft strategy? Yeah, I can see them going running back um, day two, possibly early day three. And uh, for the, it's not even a possibility at seven, not only the fact that they just uh, simply don't need one at seven because they took Fournette at four a few years ago, but it's just also not a strong enough class at running back to take any in the top 10. But if you're day two and Josh Jacobs is there, and personally, I'm not a big fan of David Montgomery, but I know a lot of people are. If he's there in round two or round three, then it's something you definitely got to look into because I personally don't think Fournette is the answer. I don't think he's the future. And he's proven that he can't stay healthy. So I think they'll definitely look for a running back, and it's really deep. Um when you get into round two, round three. So I think it may be hard to predict who they uh, may look for. It could be somebody like Mike Weber, who I'm a lot higher on than most. Could be somebody like Daryl Henderson, who's also good, Travion Williams. But it's a deep draft, and I think they'll definitely be looking for one come round two uh, or round three. Yeah, I, I think one of their biggest needs is tight end. I mean, they just signed Jeff Swaim, who's at the top of their uh, oh, they re-signed O'Shaughnessy as well, I think, too. Yeah. So th that doesn't strike fear. For me, if I'm them, I'm trying to move back in the first, you know, and not necessarily looking to take as much as not, I'm not sitting at seven and going, I need to get all of those. I need all of the picks for you to move up here. I'm looking at, at that seventh pick and going, I want to move back to 17, 18, 20, 25 and see if I can get Hawkinson or, Fant, or even if I move move back at, uh, they don't have to move back at, at the, in the second round. I think they pick fifth. They can grab Irv Smith there. That gives them a, a receiving tight end to go with some of these young receivers they got in Westbrook and Chark and uh, oh shoot, I forget who else is there. I mean, they got Marquise Mar Lee. Marquise Lee, Lee. Lee. yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's not a bad call. Obviously, uh, we talked to our friend John Lobb on the, the podcast uh, just the other day, and that's what he mentioned. He thought uh, as kind of like a hot take, them take Font or Hawkinson. Um, I don't know if they're able to do that. I do like the Irv Smith call, though, because I do think there's a better chance that he falls into the second round uh, than those other two falling back. I mean, there's a lot of talk now that both those guys, both the, the Iowa tight ends could go in like the top 15. Uh, so I would think that they wouldn't be able to fall that far back. But if they could get Irv Smith in the second round, 
around and drop back to, like you said, 20, you can still get a good cornerback, which I still think is a big need for them, uh, especially after losing Tayshawn Gibson to their, uh, you know, in-conference rivals in the Texans. Uh, the fact that they could get a cornerback that late and then get Irv Smith on the flip side in the second, and then you use those two third-round picks to possibly attack running back uh, would be a solid strategy. Um, I do need to say, wait a second, you're not a big fan of David Montgomery, Max? What? Are you serious? I'm not, a, I'm not a big fan of David Montgomery. Obviously, I see the potential. I see uh, the strength that comes along, along with him. But I look, obviously, he's not crazy athletic, and nobody went into the combine thinking that he was going to blow up the combine and that that was going to be um, a real big part of his game because it never was. But I don't know. I just see a problem with um, his mobility, his agility, and I still think he's good. I still have him rated in my top five running backs, but then again, when most people have him rated as um, pretty much a consensus one or two with Josh Jacobs, I would say I'm lower than him on uh, than most. Um, definitely not that I dislike him or that I hate him. Um, I still think he's going to carve out a role. I still think uh, his his worst scenario is he's going to be um, one of the better backs on the team that goes running back by committee or a very good role player, but I don't see him... Um, becoming a future star in the NFL. Fair point, I guess. I mean, I'm, I'm a big fan of Dave Montgomery. I know that Dennis is as well. Not a fan of Josh Jacobs here, though. You will you will not find me professing any love for Josh Jacobs. Uh, I think he's at best the fifth or sixth back in this class. Uh, I think he's being wildly overrated. Just my opinion. But I just wanted to get your thoughts on David Montgomery when you said that. Because I, I do agree with you. Uh, a lot of people have him right up there as their 1-1 one, one or 1-2 one, myself included i'm one of those people i have him right up there uh, so i was just interested to hear your thoughts on him i i just misunderstood oh no said. yeah well, i was saying no that a lot of people have him obviously up there at, at the one one or one two uh and I, i'm one of those people i have him at one one right now still uh for my running back rankings i think that uh, like you like you touched on with the combine, nobody expected him to come in there and blow everybody away. I think he kind of showed all of us what we thought he was, um, and I think that he's going to do just enough at the at the next level to be serviceable. Again, this, as you touched on, it's not a deep running back class with elite guys. We're not having that Saquon Barkley, Ezekiel Elliott talks no, in this one. No. Even Darius guys who I loved last year. There's nobody, nobody near guys from yeah, last year. I, I'm right there with you on that. And I know Dennis is as well because we've had these conversations many times. There, there's nobody like that in this class. So David Montgomery, I think, is one of the best of this group because I think they're all kind of very closely grouped together. There's not there's not a lot that separates the tiers, in my opinion. Um, and then real quick, I also yeah. wanted to touch on, uh, I love the Travion Williams call as well because I do think that he would also be a great fit uh, in this offense with what he can do in the receiving game. Yeah, for sure. And he, I personally think he's being massively overlooked when it comes to the NFL. I think a lot of that is just he's become um, a house name who's produced year after year. And I think the NFL probably sees that and he'll probably be drafted that uh, higher than the hype has made him out to be. But I see a lot of potential in him and I, I think he's going to be very good at the next level. And I agree with you on that. All right, so does, do either one of you have a dynasty riser on this roster? So for me, I'm going to go with DJ Chark. He was drafted last year, and I thought they reached on him sure. I didn't think he was going in round two. I didn't even know if he was going to go uh, on day two in general. But either way, when you're a year out, you got to stop looking at where they were drafted, I guess, and just got to look at where they are in their progression. And... With a quarterback who could finally throw the ball more than 10 yards and not miss the receiver by 10 yards, I think with mid-4-3 speed, 
and not a lot of de- or uh, not a lot of top end talent at the receiver position. I think he'll definitely have a chance to prove himself as um, a very legit piece on that offense. I, I'm big on D.D. Westbrook. Um, you know, he, he's not a terribly big guy. He kind of reminds me a little bit of T.Y. Hilton size-wise, but he's just got some fight in him, and he's a baller. He goes out and gets the ball, um, and can be he, he can be really explosive. He's got decent speed, uh, but he can also play the shorter game as well. Another one, you know, this, this next guy is going to be in both my riser and faller category. So. I think, you know, the, the, because, and part of it is because there's so many caveats around him. But I think Leonard Fournette could be a riser. So if he can stay healthy and average four yards a carry, if they don't bring in somebody over him, um, the opportunity is going to be there. He's going to have the best quarterback he's played with. And if they can get the ball down the field, that's going to open it up, up near the line. Now, they need to fortify their offensive line a little bit more, but the opportunity exists for Fournette to break out in this season. Well, this is very interesting because uh, you went with uh, DJ Chark, Max, Dennis, you went with uh, D.D. Westbrook. I'm going with Marquise Lee. I think everybody's kind of forgetting about how good this guy looked at times with Blake Bortles. Now you bring in Nick Foles, who I think is obviously a much better quarterback than him. Uh, Marquise Lee obviously had the ACL injury last year. Assuming he comes back fully healthy, he's still one of the better wide receivers, a good burner down the field, which I think Nick Foles can get him the ball. Uh, So I think Marquise Lee has a chance to step back up and kind of be the wide receiver. We all remember him being just a couple years ago and being the number one in this offense. Uh, For me, on the Dynasty Fallers, there's not anybody on this roster that I see. uh, I know both of you guys have kind of talked that you you could possibly see Fournette falling down. Uh, I don't personally. I still think he's a guy who is more than serviceable, although he's not a full three-down back because we don't see him doing much in the receiving game. Uh, I think uh, he still will be the at least first and second down grinder for this offense. Uh, So really, I don't see anybody falling down on this roster dynasty-wise at the moment, but who do you guys have that could be a dynasty faller? I was going to say pretty much the same thing, obviously. Um, I'm not a huge fan of Fournette. I don't see him as the future. I don't think he's going to turn into the player a lot of people hope he would out of LSU. Um, But then again, he spent a lot of last year hurt, and I don't know it's going to be very easy for him to regress. So I don't know if I would classify him as a faller. And otherwise on the roster, I, I don't think there was anybody that um, produced so unbelievably that they can that they can truly fall off and be classified as a faller. So I'm, I don't know if I can put um, a, like a label of a faller on anybody in this okay. on this Jacksonville team. I, I could see Fournette having just as many bad things happen as he does good things. You know, he had that. I don't want to call it a run-in because it seemed like they didn't really get close together with him and Tom Coughlin. You know, he seems to rub Tom Coughlin the wrong way. I could see him just sort of getting iced out or Coughlin just saying, you know what, I'm going to replace this guy. I'm going to spend the capital and I'm going to get one of these top running backs and I'm going to bring them in here and I'm going to hand them that job. I could also see Fournette losing touches because he gets dinged up again you know he's got the injury history he doesn't seem to stay healthy and they may want to go in and not spend the capital now that they've got a uh, at least on paper a good passing game so maybe they want to spend their early capital on 
a tight end and an offensive lineman and an edge rusher and then go on day three with one of the running backs there. So if they go if they go fourth, fifth, sixth round on a running back, I, I think that Fournette's still going to get the opportunity to be the guy. But if he gets dinged up, you know, it, it, it could go any number of ways. So he... Depending on, I suppose, uh, which which time you talk to me, he could be my riser or he could be my faller. All right, so that does it for all of our teams in the AFC South. Now for one of my favorite parts of the episode, very, very early predictions of what we think might happen in 2019. Uh, really appreciated getting you on here, Max, with us, and I'd love to bring you back as we get closer to the season and do a full preview of the AFC South with you again as well. Uh, so just very early, we, we give you full full rights to change your picks as we get closer because again we haven't even gotten through free agency yet but how do you think this division shakes out next season i think we're going to see more or less the same layout that we saw last year with the colts and the texans being just a half step above the the titans and then jacksonville i think is going to be better than last year for sure with Foles. but i don't know that they're going to really make a serious push for the playoffs but i also know that the texans schedule Next year, with um, the whole schedule that comes along with finishing first in your division, it is incredibly hard. So I am going to say that the Colts are going to finish first, and I'm going to say that they're going to be 11-5. and five. I'm going to say that the Texans and the Titans are both going to make a push for the playoffs. They're both going to slightly miss out. I'm going to say both of them are 9-7, and seven, um, which would be the same as the Titans were last year, I'm pretty sure, which would make a lot of sense to me. I don't think they really did that much to uh, get significantly better. And I'm going to say that Jacksonville is going to finish last, and they're not going to be a serious threat to anybody in the division. I'm going to put them at 6-10 and 10 on the season. You know, I feel, like, uh, I feel like the Colts are poised to make a run. And I could I could see him putting up twelve or thirteen games or wins, um, and that could be because I just drafted Andrew Luck in a startup too. But I I agree. I think the Colts are going to win the division, and then the the Titans and the Texans I, they play such different games. So I, I think you know the Titans are going to be a grind it out, run it a lot. You know, keep fewer plays, keep the score down, keep it close. And the Texans are going to have, they have an explosive offense. And so they're going to, while they have a good defense, they're going to rack up some points. They're going to be scoring. And so I think they're going to end up pretty, pretty close to each other. In Jacksonville, it's going to be a a situation where they just, uh, there's going to be a learning curve, um, adjusting to DeFilippo's offense. Yeah, they've got some guys that could be stars at wide receivers, but none of them really come with the pedigree uh, and don't really have the history. They don't have a tight end. Uh, there's issues at running back. So I, I think the Jag- Jags are still going to finish uh, last in-, in the division. I'm not a big one to predict uh, win-loss records, so I'm not really going to throw that out there. Uh, that's sort of how I see it shaking out. All right. Well, mine's going to be very different than both of yours. I'm jumping all back in on the Jacksonville bandwagon, baby. I love what the Jacks have done with Nick Foles. Um, I like their team. I don't think that they've lost that much. I I think that they can replace the players that they have in the draft again. This is a very heavy defensive draft. A lot of these guys are projected to do well in the NFL. I think that they'll be able to replace the cornerback, possibly a rusher and or linebacker that they need in the draft. 
I, this has been the hardest division for me to predict, to be honest with you. I could easily see two to three teams making the playoffs out of this division. Same with the AFC North. I think that these two divisions are the most stacked in the AFC, uh, just based on the teams. I think the Titans finished last, in my opinion. I don't think that they've done enough. Um, I don't believe in Marcus Mariota, and even if he does get hurt or if Ryan Tannehill becomes a starter, I don't believe in Ryan Tannehill. I don't think that Tannehill is going to be able to do enough to make this team viable than what they were last year. Um, then it goes down to the Houston Texans and the Colts. The reason I'm going to take the Texans to finish second in the division is based solely on their offense. Their offense, in my opinion, is more explosive. They have better weapons around Deshaun Watson than what Andrew Luck has around him. He really only has T.Y. Hilton, uh, as I've already talked about. I'm not a big believer in Marlon Mack, although I'm not a big believer in Lamar Miller, uh, just assuming everybody stays healthy. I love QT, and I love Will Fuller, along with DeAndre Hopkins, who I think is right there with uh, with Devontae Adams as the best wide receiver in the league. Um, so I'm taking the, the, the Texans to finish second behind Jacksonville Jaguars, both making the playoffs, and then the Colts finishing third, just missing out. Possibly in something the same thing we saw this year, where possibly they play the Texans last week of the season for a playoff spot, and the Texans end up beating them out, just because I don't think the Texans' defense either is as bad as a lot of people want to give it, uh, want to say it is, and if they can attack a few of those positions in the draft, I think they'll be right there with the Colts defensively. Uh, so I've got it Jags, Texans, Colts, Titans. All right, so... Max, thank you so much for jumping on with us. We really appreciate it. It's so much more fun to get uh, someone in here who pays a lot more, uh, pays really close attention to that that division. Obviously, very well connected with one of the teams, and me and Dennis are trying to cover all these different teams. So it was really awesome to have you on here, give us all this great insight on the AFC South. Like I said, I'd love to to bring you back as we get closer to the season. We start doing our full uh, full previews like we're doing now, and get your opinions on how you think the teams will be moving forward. Um, and again, please plug your podcast that again is part of the Pulse Podcast Network. You guys, even if you're not Texans fans, just subscribe and download for them. It's a, it's a great podcast. Me and Dennis have both listened to it. We both are subscribed to it as well. Well, even if you're not a Texans fan, they still give you guys a lot of great info just about the NFL and the Texans. Uh, so go ahead and plug that for us really quick if you don't mind. Yeah, so that is uh, Tackling the Texans. It's available on all platforms. And on Twitter, it's at Tackling Texans. And yeah, we look into a lot of Texans. We look into everything around the NFL. Um, once again, thank you guys very much for having me on. It was a pleasure. Great talking. I always love talking about Texans, AFC South, everything around the NFL. And, yeah, it would be great to be back on, and thank you guys again. No problem. And, Dennis, go ahead, and obviously, I know it's the same thing we always ask, but go ahead and give everybody, uh, obviously, your Twitter handle as well. Talk about the the articles you have coming up here before we close it out. Well, you can find me on Twitter at culture underscore coach. I'm posting, uh, you know, retweeting, posting stuff, interacting with all the people on there. Uh, I also write for DynastyNerds.com, so my writings pop up there. Uh, I get the pleasure of co-hosting this illustrious podcast with you, Mr. Sports Fanatic MB. All right. Well, I appreciate both you guys so much, and have yourselves a great day. Thank you, you too. Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? I came out the wrong line ready. And he's hit the end zone! Above his head, they can't jump with me. Golly! Only tackle the Napoleon.